It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. Now it's Superior Sports Talk with CARE 11 sports anchor Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman. It's 30 minutes every day, and it's all the Minnesota sports you need. It's Superior Sports Talk, and it starts now. Back in the lab, Reggie and Luke back at it. Another episode, Superior Sports Talk, presented by Locked On Sports Minnesota. This is your daily 30-minute breakdown of everything Minnesota sports, which you can now find streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for our Locked On Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's the man, Reggie Wilson, on Twitter, at Reggie Wilson TV. Check him out every night up on CARE 11. Thursday, Reg, you know, we had a good run. No snow touchdown until, what, mid-November. Had some decently warm days just a few weeks ago. It's over, though, now, man. I woke up today freezing. You know what, though, Luke? I will not complain because we just left Buffalo on Monday. And it was lightly snowing, you know, it was off and on, but they're about to get hammered with snow. And so I'm not even going to complain about the snow that we're getting right now, even though I do think it's a little ghetto, honestly, snow. No doubt. Not a fan right now. But three to six feet they're talking about in Buffalo. Good Lord. Six feet of snow headed to (laughs) Buffalo as we speak this weekend. 20 to 30 mile an hour winds. Might want to take the under in that Bills-Cleveland game, I'm just saying. So much to get into, but first, remember, follow along on the Lockdown Minnesota YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button, leave us a comment, and on Twitter, give us a follow. It's at Lockdown M-I-N. And remember, we're a podcast, too, free and available, all platforms, Spotify, Apple, you name it, we got it. Tons of great choices over there. You got the Ron Johnson Show, you got the Football Party, and more, your one-stop shop with endless Vikings talk with local experts. Do us a favor, hit the subscribe button, and drop us a five-star review. Speaking of YouTube, every day posting a new poll up on the Locked On Minnesota community page. Yesterday I posted, which quarterback would you take over Kirk Cousins if you needed to win one game this Sunday? Four options. Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray, Geno Smith, or Justin Herbert. And a lot of people are like, why'd you pick these four quarterbacks? I picked these four quarterbacks because CBS every week does a quarterback power rankings. These are the quarterbacks that sat next to Kirk Cousins. So this is why I picked these four. Herbert ran away with it, but 90% of the comments were like, "Um, can I pick none of the above? A lot of faith and confidence in Kirk Cousins right now. And what he's done this year Funny how quickly the narrative has shifted on him from just even just last season when you need to win one big game. So remember, go check out the Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube page every day as I post a new poll. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss a beat and go comment. Let us know what you think. All right. To football we go. You know, Reg, there was so many different facets, so many different variables to the Vikings come from behind win Sunday in Buffalo that in overtime is unfortunately going to get kind of glossed over and kind of lost in the mist. Specific plays like that Dalvin Cook 81-yard touchdown run to spark some life back into the team. Duke Shelley's pass breakup on Dawson Knox in the end zone. But there was one player without him and what he did given the situation – 
I'm not sure the Vikings come away on the right side of history in what's surely going to go down as one of the most bizarre and wild finishes to a game we'll ever witness. Late in the third quarter, Christian Derrissaw, he comes over to the sideline saying his head hurts. He eventually was brought into the locker room. He undergoes those concussion protocol tests. Taking his place was backup tackle Blake Brandle, the 2026-round pick, thrusted into action in the most crucial part of the game, and he held his own versus future Hall of Fame pass rusher Vaughn Miller. He helped Kirk Cousins get that blindside protection he needed to scan the field and make big throw after big throw. Sam Ekstrom and I caught up with Brandle to talk about what the experience was like and helped us break down a game that will surely go down in Vikings history. Let's take a look. And there's so much we want to ask you and break down about that just ESPN classic overtime thriller. But let's start here. You were thrusted into action late in the third quarter. Talk about just the moment it kind of clicked. You're going in with the magnitude of the situation on the road, down 10. What were you thinking or telling yourself? Like, did Christian come up and say anything? Did the coaches tell you anything special? Or was it kind of just, hey, you've been working your whole life for this. It's time to just go play some ball. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, CD, he kind of had a headache and uh, I kind of saw where it was going, but I, mm -hmm. I wasn't sure, you know, and concussion, it's it's such a, uh, it's not always black and white, you know, because you, when you're thumping all the time, it's like you're going to have a couple headaches. Uh, so I wasn't sure. I was with my O-line coach when the offense was going out and he looks at me, he's like, dude, you're going in. I'm like, all right, let's do it. And so look to my, you know, other offensive lineman buddies who are uh, just kind of waiting there. And I, you know, throw my hands on him a couple times, run in. And, you know, you're waiting for that moment um, when you're standing on the sideline the whole game. Uh, that's, you know, your job is to be ready for uh, something like that. So looking ahead and like thinking about that situation prior to it happening, you know, night before a game or morning of a game, you're like, oh, well, you know, hopefully I'm not nervous when you go in because that, that was my first time really playing. And uh, no, it, it just it it felt like football, especially after the first play. It's like you're rolling with the boys, and uh, it was an awesome experience, and it was a ton of fun, and, you know, I hope CD's okay. But, uh, no, it, it was crazy, and for it to be that game was just even that much crazier. Yeah, and, of course, your very first play, they waste no time. They call a run to the left side right behind you, get you right in the mix right away. Uh, early on, it was Shaq Lawson and A.J. Espinessa, and then towards the end of the game, you start to look up, you're seeing number 40, Von Miller, staring right back at you. And people were awfully impressed with him, man. You held your own against one of the best defensive lines in the league, including a future Hall of Fame pass rusher. In fact, PFF came out. They gave you an 80.7 grade the next day, which I don't know how much you guys pay attention to that stuff. But given the circumstances, was pretty dang good. What was that experience like for you, given everything that happened, to be part of a game like that? Like, have you even had a chance to process the magnitude and the NFL history you guys were a part of Sunday? Yeah, it, it definitely comes after the game because when you're in it, uh, obviously a lot of crazy things are going on, but I don't think it really registers with you. It's kind of on to the next play. You know, Justin makes a catch. It's like, that was nuts, but you can't kind of just dwell on it. You got to just keep it rolling. You know, let's do it again. So, uh, but, you know, I got home and talked with my wife and we kind of watched uh, the end of the game and it was just like, I, I couldn't believe it's almost like you miss it. You don't realize how much is going on. So, uh, no, it was it was incredible. Um, everyone I've talked to, you know, I, a bunch of people text me and stuff like it's just instant ESPN classic. That game's going to be on all the time uh, when there's nothing else to watch. So uh, it was great to be a part of. 
Blake, it was surreal to watch for sure, you know, and I'm sure surreal to play in it with so many bizarre plays throughout the game. And there's two that I'd like to focus on um, in particular. One, I'd like your perspective on the fourth and 18 to Jefferson. You had a two-minute warning to talk about that play. I, what was the huddle like, and what was, I guess, the, the game plan like going into that play? For instance, you know, was it always going to Jefferson no matter what, or were there some other options there? And I know you were facing off with, with Von Miller across from you on that play. So I'd like you to take us through that, and then if you could take us through the QB sneak at the goal line, because I know you were right in the thick of it, and Kirk was right on top of you in that play. So if you could just kind of reflect on those two moments in the game. Yeah, so the 4th and 18, um, it's kind of funny. I'm sure there was a lot of discussion going on with quarterbacks, wide receivers, coaches, all that stuff. Uh, you know, offensive line definitely has its interest, like small details and uh, things that you can go really in depth about. When, when it comes to the actual play call, um, prior to lining up, there's not much to discuss. It's like, okay, we're sliding left, we're sliding right. And uh, we'll figure it out from there, talk from there. But until you have the defense out in front of you, there's not much to discuss. And so we kind of just, you know, we're getting each other hyped up, looking at each other, talking about the moment. I mean, Brian O'Neill pulled everyone in right before uh, Kirk called the play. And I was like, man, let's do this. Like, we can do this. And then, uh, yeah, so called the play, broke the huddle. Uh, Von Miller's out there. I turned to Ezra Cleveland, you know, my good friend, left guard. I'm like, dude. If you're free, come and help me because uh, I've, got, I've got the tall task at hand and I'm going to try my best. But, you know, that's kind of the small parts that a lot of people don't get to see is like the small discussion that's on the line of scrimmage. You know, like I might need help right here or um, I'm good here. And so I, I turned to Ezra. I'm like, dude, just give me your eyes. The play happened and, you know, our backs to the ball the entire time. So I, once I realized the ball was kind of out of Kirk's hand, I kind of look over. And I didn't have a great view or anything. Like I kind of started trotting over there. I'm like, oh my God, he caught the ball. And I could tell from the sidelines reaction, which, you know, everyone was really excited about. That was unbelievable. I mean, he's already got stuff in the NFL Hall of Fame, which is awesome. And then the quarterback sneak, you know, God have it moment. Uh, and that's what any, you ask any offensive lineman what they want to run on fourth and inches on the goal line, it's quarterback sneak. You know, we want to score. And so, um, that was crazy. And, you know, you end up on the bottom of the pile and it's like, oh, did we score? And, you know, you're waiting for the signal. And obviously we didn't get it, uh, which, you know, that's devastating as an offensive lineman. You want to be the ones that are pushing guys in. But uh, the game worked out how it did. And that was awesome. So got the win somehow, some way. Cool. Blake, just, what exactly are the Vikings doing this year that makes you guys so unique? Like what makes this team so special, so dangerous right now? And I guess specifically, what has Kevin O'Connell done to turn things around with basically the same roster as Mike Zimmer, right? Because you've seen both now. You got a taste of the old school defensive mindset in Zim, who, uh, you know, I love Zim. A lot of people love Zim. He was awfully successful for a time, which is not easy in this league. But clearly, the new school approach of KOC led by kind of this offensive-oriented game plan or something more specific like situational football has been the catalyst to this team's success. Just try to put it into words best you can, the changes you've seen undergone with KOC and how you guys are winning football games. Yeah, there. I mean, you you brought it up, the situational kind of awareness. And we have a meeting every week. It's called Situational Masterminds. And mm -hmm. uh, it focuses on you know, just small little pockets of the game that have a major influence on the outcome. And that's something that we talk about every week. And you can see it kind of, you know, us thinking about it prior to anything really happening. 
it puts us at a huge advantage. I mean, once the two minute warning is up in the first half, we already have a plan in place for kind of what we want to do without giving the other team a chance to, you know, make some points. And so that aspect is huge. And then this team is just really together. I mean, there's no flinch on the sideline. Obviously we've been down before we've been down a lot this season and it's just you know we we find a way to win games and that's kind of what the nfl is all about you look at the parity around the league every game is close it doesn't matter who's playing who just kind of that aspect and just the togetherness of this team uh i think that's the reason why we're able to win a lot of these games blake in the same vein i'd be curious to hear your take on the comparison between phil rauscher big boisterous energetic guy and chris cooper who seems different a little more i i don't know poised or silent in his demeanor at least from what i see uh and you've got to experience both of them the last two years what what did you take from those two offensive line coaches no i I love both those guys and uh, they definitely have different approaches to coaching both in their kind of like attitude and what they're showing on the field, but also their technique. Uh, But I think that's an advantage for all players who, you know, the more coaching you can get and the more ways you can do things, I think the better off you're going to be. And you pick up small skills here and there. And when you kind of add it to your repertoire, it it makes you more complete player. So, um, but, you know, I love Phil and I had a great time with Phil last year and I love Coop too. I mean, it's, it's, they're definitely different, but, you know, and I definitely see what you're saying. Phil was definitely loud and all over people and all that stuff uh, and, and Coop's more reserved but kind of you get down to the same they're both really good guys and yeah I mean I, I, I've learned a lot from both of them and I'm still learning from Coop's which is awesome so Blake you touched on this already I want to dive just a little bit deeper here but what, what's the mindset the vibe of this team big picture like in the locker room day to day in the team meetings etc because I gotta imagine at the beginning of the summer, anytime a new GM, new head coach is brought in, the message tends to be, all right, everyone just needs to stay patient this year because this whole vision, this whole plan, it might take a little bit. But now you sit here, you're at eight and one. Is it starting to really feel like you guys are destined for something far more than just a competitive rebuild as Quasi dubbed it? Or do the coaches kind of hit you with the cliche, hey, let's take this thing one game at a time and not get too ahead of ourselves here? No, I mean, I think we're definitely gaining confidence. You see the eight and one record and you know that we're a good team and we know that we're a good team, but you're absolutely right. It's uh, it's all about being one and know every week. And that's the NFL. I mean, uh, that's where the parody comes into play. Like literally every game is close every week and it doesn't matter who's playing. So it's all about going one and know every week. And that's the focus. And if we can just keep doing that, then obviously the results going to be really good at the end of the season. So, and not to say that we don't have high aspirations, but in order to achieve those, it's going to, it's going to be one week at a time. Blake, uh, Brian O'Neill is really the stalwart, the veteran on that offensive line. What have you taken from him in the three years you've been on this team? Uh, I think his approach to the game is a, uh, is probably what I've learned the most from him. I mean, just kind of the the small details, the focus. Uh, it's a long season, and you know, it's all, it's important to keep your body kind of healthy. Uh, and Brian does a really good job of doing that. But he also is really good about focusing on things to improve throughout the season and becoming a better player uh, at the end of the season than you were at the start. So uh, there is a lot that I've learned from Brian, and he's been super helpful. He's a great guy, great friend. So. Um, I, I couldn't be happier, luckier guy to join this room 
three years ago now, which is crazy to think. But uh, yeah, Brian's been one of those guys that's really taken me under his wing and helped me out a lot. There's a business side of things that takes place in the NFL too. You're a six round pick, grinded your way through the practice squad, worked your butt off all summer to win that backup job. And when the season ends, you're going to be exclusive rights free agent. I guess what's your thoughts on the ideal long-term plan? Because now that the world is seen that you can hang with the big boys here, coaches could be lining up at their GM's doors saying, hey, we think this guy could start for us. Would you like to stay in Minnesota, even if that means being a backup swing tackle role? No one, you got two other young guys that are kind of cemented in the starting spot ahead of you. How do you weigh all those options out when the time comes? Uh, definitely weigh them at the end of the season. I'm not worrying about it right mm-hmm. now. Not to give you uh, one of those answers, but that that's really how I feel about it. I mean, I, I don't ever think about stuff like that. I, I just kind of, I've got an agent. He does a great job. And uh, I kind of let him kind of worry about that stuff because I what I care about is football and being around this group. And um, I love Minnesota. It's It's been awesome. You know, I'd love to be here long term and all that stuff, but I just don't give it any thought right now. I, I can't. It's it's too much to think about when you, we're mm-hmm. so busy week by week and uh, we got too much other important stuff to focus on in the first place. So. No, fair enough. That's a good answer. There's a chance you could be priming up for your first career NFL start here this week versus the Cowboys. No rest for the wicked. You go from Von Miller to one of the most dangerous pass rushers in the league right now in Micah Parsons. You're only one day into the install, but what makes him and this Cowboys defense so good? And what would it mean for you personally to get your first start versus this team in front of the home crowd at U.S. Bank Stadium? No, it'd be great. It's a lifelong dream. And, you know, you, you, you want to play. I mean, that's, that's what every guy wants to be doing is playing and you want to be challenged by the best. So Cowboys are a really good team. They're going to bring a great challenge. They do a lot of different things. Uh, they really kind of folk. And it's great that we had such a mental day because the mental aspect of playing the Cowboys and kind of what they do on defense, it's, it's a challenge. And they've got lots of guys that they put in different positions and they're able to succeed um, kind of all over the field. So yeah, you just got to take it day by day, watch as much film as you can, try to learn as much as you can. And then, um, you know, when Sunday comes, just let the ball go out there and you just got to go play. Hey, all I'm going to say is anytime number 64 gets 10 or more offensive snaps, Vikings come away with a win. That's a fact. Vikings 4-0 dating back to last year. Steelers, the Bears twice, and now you can tack that wild Bills game to your resume as well. Undefeated. I'm just saying, I I think not. Uh, Blake could pick your brain all day, man. I know you're busy these days. We'll let you get back to it. Would love to get you back on soon, though. Until then, just want to thank you so much for your time and wish you all the best this week and moving forward in your career, all right? It was awesome talking to you guys. Thank you guys very much. A lot of people rooting for you, Blake, so good luck, brother. Talk to you soon, all right? Take care. Appreciate you guys. All right, there you go. Blake Brandle, number 64 on your television set, protecting the blind side of the quarterback, Kirk Cousins, possibly in line for his first career start this week. Christian Derrissaw is trying to get healthy from his injury. Six-round pick, though, out of Oregon State, two-time captain. Practice squad, Sam, worked his butt off. And now you're just starting to see all that hard work pay off. And for me, those are the guys that are fun to root for in the league today. And it's why, I don't know, guys like me and some other guys, we, we kind of geek out. We kind of get nerdy on day three of the draft or the UDFAs and training camp, scouting the second and third team. Because, again, it's a given at some point, every team's going to have to call on a backup to play a pivotal role. Mm-hmm. Randall certainly has some momentum headed in the right direction after last week's game in Buffalo during that historic comeback win. Sam, any quick just takeaways that jumped out to you from Blake Randall there? 
Well, I feel like this has been coming for a while now with Brandel. Like after the Rashad Hill experiment didn't really work out again last year, um, it seemed like Brandel became the preferred option on that on that staff as mm-hmm. the the top backup. So for that staff to recognize it, and now for this staff to recognize it and say this is our swing guy, um, I think that that's telling. So and you you got to hit on those late round tackles or linemen to bolster your depth. You just have to do it. Not everybody can be a first round pick and the Vikings seem to have something here with Brandel. So this will be a big test for him uh, if he starts against Dallas and and that'll really be uh, a gigantic moment for him and his resume and his career going forward. Yeah, do you remember last year that Ravens game? Somebody got hurt, and everybody was like, okay, it's time for Wyatt Davis, the third-round pick, Remington (laughs) Award winner, Ohio State. Here we go. And I believe it was Blake Brandle ended up coming in. Awesome, awesome stuff there, Reg. And I got to say it again one last time. Christian Derrissaw, obviously, one of the best in the game right now. Hope he's got a quick return. He can pick up right where he left off. But guys like Brandle, man, for me, They're just fun to root for. As a student of the game, I appreciate that kind of blue-collar path to success because not everybody's going to be a first-rounder, Reg. And when you got five guys on the offensive line, you need to draft and develop well later in the draft to assure yourself some good depth when a player goes down so that you hopefully don't skip a beat. And whether it's here or whether it's somewhere else someday, hope he gets an opportunity to continue to make plays on the field, possibly even this Sunday, where Brandel could get the call for his first career NFL start in front of the home crowd at U.S. Bank Stadium. So I'm rooting for him. Big shout out and thank you to Blake sitting down and spending the time with us. That was awesome. Hope to catch up with him again sometime soon. All right, coming up next, we're discussing which former Viking returning home this Sunday has the biggest revenge game storyline. But first, Vikes now 12-1 to to win the Super Bowl after this 8-1 start. Open the week as two-point underdogs at home versus the Cowboys. That's moved down to one point as we speak. Over-under, now at 47.5. Make sure to keep tabs all season long and check those odds out and more with BetOnline. BetOnline.net, fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Stats, news, info, you want it, they got it. NFL, NHL, NBA, even MMA and UFC. BetOnline makes betting easy and is your number one source for all your betting needs. Go to BetOnline.net today to learn more. That's BetOnline.net where the game starts. And remember, when you subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota, you get an endless Vikings talk with local experts. Sam and Ron, they're talking football every day on the Ron Johnson Show. Reggie Wilson gives you a sports anchor's perspective right here on Superior Sports Talk. And the Minnesota Football Party brings together the top Vikings podcasters in the city. Subscribe to the free Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast feed wherever you find your podcast. Drop us that five-star review or find our videos on the Locked On Sports Minnesota YouTube channel hit the subscribe button leave us a comment let us know what you think you can now find us streaming on your roku or amazon fire stick devices as well just download our lockdown sports minnesota app enjoy all our content and daily shows for free at your fingertips any day anytime all right time has come new favorite segment called give me one give me one reg first one up here give me one Give me one red flag that still exists despite the Vikings' seven-game winning streak. What are you still kind of a little worried about despite the success? I think if you look at the offensive production throughout the course of the game, it still leaves a little bit to be desired. I mean, if you Mm -hmm. think about it, Buffalo was up 17 
at one point in that game. And the Vikings offense just looked dead in the water until Dalvin Cook bust that big run and really just kind of changed the trajectory of the finish of that game. But, you know, before that, you're talking about Kirk Cousins throwing a couple interceptions. It's so funny because when the Vikings win, it's so easy to just go ahead and just be like, you know what, I'll take I'll take Kirk Cousins. But after he threw that second interception, people were letting him have it on Twitter. Like, oh, here we go. It's like the Philly game all over again. Like they were it's, it's like they're so quick to write him off. And I think that was something that Ron Johnson talked about earlier this week on his show. He was just talking about how people just really have a short, very short leash when it comes to Kirk Cousins. Like he makes a mistake and they're just ready to let him have it. And so you look at the offense and how they kind of got stuck in the mud a little bit, which we've seen that's been a consistent thing this season where for a couple quarters at a time several drives at a time they just look flat they just don't execute the way that you would think that they should being the team that they are having won seven straight and I think that's something that really kind of concerns you you just want to see them be able to finish some drives because the thought was is okay going against a team like Buffalo you won't be able to do that Like, Mm -hmm. you got to be able to match them and keep up with them. But for some reason, (laughs) it didn't go like that, you know. And and it looked like it was on its way to getting there when they went up 17 and then Kirk threw the the interceptions. Like, oh, man, this is about to get ugly. And it didn't happen. Somehow it still was able to get played to that last possession and take the game to overtime. They had a chance to win it in regulation as well. I just don't understand how they continue to do this. I keep saying it. They're just living right. But when you look at it, this offense still leaves a little bit to be desired. As dynamic as they look at times and how J.J. bailed them out in in certain instances on Sunday, like there are still drives where you're like, dang, what's going on? They can't run. They can't pass. Ryan Wright getting his money's worth, and Mm. you would like to see a little bit more consistency from the offense. Yeah, and to your point here, Reg, too, their opening drive success has been phenomenal. I want to say seven or maybe even eight of the first game drives have been touchdowns. KOC drawn up like just just got the magic wand, and just all of a sudden you know they're going to get seven points on that first drive. If you were to take those opening drives out, or at least, you know, cut that in half the success like most of the league's averages. You know, that's scary to think about how much further they would be down and be forced, mm-hmm. obviously, a lot more pressure to go on those long sustaining drives, which, as you mentioned, they've had trouble with this season. Red zone defense, still kind of a sore spot. You know, it's been actually a little bit better thanks to Josh Allen's two red zone interceptions last week. They only allowed 50% of the time Buffalo got into the red zone a touchdown. But on the league average throughout the season, 72% of the time the opposing offense gets into their red zone, they score a touchdown. That's 31st in the league. Only Las Vegas is worse than the Vikings red zone defense right now. So you'd like to see them tighten that up a little bit, force some field goals, bend, but don't break, obviously, once they get down there. Next one up, give me one. Give me one unit of the Vikings, so like the linebacker unit, secondary unit, that have exceeded expectations from our preseason notions and have helped them reach this 8-1 and record. It has to be the secondary, right? Mm-hmm. You're talking about Patrick Peterson closing out the game. 
You're talking about Harrison Smith closing out games, Cam Dantzler closing out the game in, against Chicago. Like, it's kind of interesting that this is what's happening because, you know, you look at it, and that was a position where people were really hoping that they, you know, kind of bolster that unit, even going back to the draft when they drafted Andrew Booth Jr. And look, for him to not even really impact the game as much as maybe you thought he would being a, a premium pick for the Vikings and the secondary is still balling out. Like, I think this this past game broke the streak for Harry on, on uh, consecutive games with interceptions, which is remarkable. But then his boy P2 is, is picking him up with two interceptions in that game against Buffalo. Like, that unit is doing much better, I think, than most people expected because coming into the season, it was like, okay, the offense should be fun. You know, the pass rush should be there with Zadarius and Daniil. You got two of the most, you know, stout linebackers in the game with EK and Jordan Hicks, and they've been as advertised. Um, really, really strong linebacker unit. The one thing you're like, okay, well, you know, they're kind of aging in the secondary. P2 is getting a little long in the tooth. Harrison Smith is getting a little long in the tooth. These dudes are just coming out every week and absolutely balling still. You know, uh, after P2 got the interception, Harrison Smith is like, put the jacket on him already. Put the jacket on him. You know, KOC coming I, I up to P2 that. after the that game. That was amazing. Yeah. When you think coming about, wait to, a minute, Harrison Smith's going to get a jacket too. So wait a minute. It's easy to overlook this, but we're watching two future Hall of Famers in our secondary right, right now. Incredible. Right. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, KLC coming up to him like, you're the best that ever done it, man. You're, you're the best to ever do it. It's just like, wow, like that, that is high praise. And so when you look at it, it was a little concerning when you came out week one, first play of the season, Christian Watson beats P2 over the top, drops the pass that would have been an easy touchdown. And it was like, oh, man, I don't know. But it seems like as time has gone along, P2 has kind of reestablished himself as CB1. And mm -hmm. looking like he's, you know, headed towards another all-pro season, which he says that he's due for one. So you look at this secondary unit, they're the big surprise for me, exceeding expectations. And you just want to see how long they can keep it going. Cam Dantzler's out for a few games now. You want to see him come back in and do his thing. Or Caleb Evans is is justifying the pick and the salivation of, of Kwesi with him and you want to see the continual development of Andrew Boot Jr. But then you got guys like Duke Shelley making plays in big spots against Dawson Knox on Sunday. Like this secondary is exceeding expectations. Yeah, not just B2, but really the entire defense has just slowly gotten better and better and better every single week under Ed Donatel. Been a lot of fun to watch. If secondary is option one, I got to go offensive line's option 1A because there was some anticipation that this offensive line would hopefully be better. Derisaw is going to take this next step. But that wasn't like a for sure thing. We didn't know for mm -hmm. sure. He still had to go out there and do it. He's been everything plus more that we expected. Brian O'Neill still playing at a Pro Bowl level. Ezra Cleveland kind of gets overshadowed 
lost in the mix. He's a solid guard. And then Garrett Bradbury was the biggest worry wart of the whole offseason. You know, you're mm-hmm. only as good as your weakest link. Well, what are we going to do with Bradbury? Kirk Cousins needs a clean interior pocket. He's been outstanding, man. I mean, all things considering, probably won't make a Pro yeah. Bowl, but he's been outstanding compared to our preseason expectations. Last one, give me one. Give me one revenge game factor that has the biggest stakes this Sunday for the Cowboys. Anthony Barr coming back home, J. Ron Curse, or defensive coordinator George Edwards, who was here under Mike Zimmer for many years as well. Yeah, I don't really think it's all that big of a deal, honestly. But I think if you if you want to talk about who may have the most to prove, I think it's Anthony Barr. The Vikings mm-hmm. pretty much just kind of said, like, you know, we're good. We're good. We're gonna we're gonna let you go and we're gonna replace you with Jordan Hicks. We feel like we can get a little bit more production. And if you look at it, I don't know that they made the wrong choice because, you know, even last season, Anthony Barr missed several games with injury. And here it is this season with the Cowboys. He's missed several games because of injury. And they were talking about him being healthy enough to even go on Sunday. You know, if he's at least like 70%, you know, he's going out there against his former team. And so I think when you talk about like it has the most stakes – I don't know if it's, you know, I know that he plays a position that can affect the game and you have to be on guard for a guy like him because he's savvy, you know, he's still got the athleticism, you know, in the games that he did play for the Vikings last year, he was outstanding. So he still is a baller out there. But, you know, I I think when you kind of look at positions that could make the most impact you, you maybe think about pass rush you think about someone in the secondary you think about you know quarterback running back receiver he plays linebacker you know you expect him to make the tackles when he's supposed to but i don't know that it's like oh man we really need to just watch out for that guy like i think you know they're going to game plan and they're going to you know make sure they know where bar is on the field but i don't know that it's that big of a of a a thing you know like when when p2 played the cardinals it was like oh man like you know you're talking about a future hall of famer going up against his former team and you know he can really impact the game when you talk about the passing game kyler murray trying to make things happen with anthony Barr, is a little bit different you know maybe maybe he you know is stout against the run you know maybe he makes things a little bit difficult in the passing game, you know, he's 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 pretty good in the passing game. So if anyone, it will be him. But I don't know if it's like the huge deal that maybe people may think it is. No, you're right. You know, I look back at that last year or two, maybe three years, and anytime it came down to the business side of things, the team needed to make a business decision. I wonder if Anthony Barr felt like, why am I last in line? You paid my boy Eric Kendricks. You paid Harrison Smith, no problem. Adam Thielen just got paid. I've been here since 2014, been doing the thing under Mike Zimmer, been a stalwart here. Why am I the last in line, man? And and you remember the whole Jets. Hey, you just signed with the Jets fiasco. Then he flip-flops, comes back to the Vikes. But the fact that mm-hmm. he wasn't treated maybe with the same thing. And people will say, well, it was kind of justified. You couldn't stay healthy. Your play kind of deteriorated near the end. But I wonder for him personally if there is a little bit of a revenge thing going on as he comes back home for the first time 
since leaving Minnesota. All right, that's a wrap today. Remember, like, rate, review, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And join us every day for another episode with your 30-minute breakdown of everything Minnesota sports. We're a podcast, too, free and available all platforms. Subscribe, drop us that five-star review. Find us now streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for our Locked On Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's the man, Reggie Wilson, on Twitter, at TV. Check him out every night up on CARE 11. Luke Inman here on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Special thanks to the producer, Matt DeBritz. Tune in tomorrow to the roundtable with myself, Reggie, Sam Ekstrom, and the infamous Ron Johnson, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. But Reggie, I'm Luke. Until tomorrow, signing out. Be blessed. Spread love today.